You need some reason why Beethoven, Mozart, and Haydn in the 18th century all flocked to Vienna? They must have known on some level that that is where they would flourish. It's what biologists call selective migration. A quote by Eric Weiner. Chapter 10. Establish your personal lifestyle first. Day 7 to Day 30. However prepared you think you are to leave Canada behind temporarily for an extended time, preparing to live in the United States in any of your chosen town or city will take a lot of adjustment and trial and error on your part. Suppose you're fortunate enough to move within the metropolitan area of a city rather than the countryside in most states like in the U.S. In that case, you will have an easier time adjusting your lifestyle in a more populated region. When we lived in California... We knew we did not want to live in Los Angeles, San Francisco, or San Diego. But we were fortunate enough to discover beautiful Orange County. Even though we are relatively far away from L.A., O.C., as it's known to locals, it is just as well connected logistically with transportation, grocery delivery, package delivery, and every conceivable amenity you can think of. We have never been able to find that in a small secondary city, not to our liking anyway. It is no secret that the handful of major Canadian cities are all connected by just one Trans-Canada Highway, all have the modern amenities you as a Canadian might want. In the U.S., however, a complex network of roads and interstates, especially throughout the eastern seaboard, allow you to discover dozens and dozens of cities, often within a day's drive. For you to uproot your life in Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver and move to another Canadian city would mean you'd be flying over or driving through long distances in between those cities. Your choices in Canada are limited, let's face it. And once you're in a major city or near it, your lifestyle choices are abundant. This is just my observation, but in the United States, the choices of which primary and secondary cities you can live in are endless. Okay, they're endless. As a business owner, entrepreneur, or investor from Canada, you may be looking at a handful of locations you're interested in, in, which seem to you as if they might offer the same modern amenities as you're used to in Canada. Some Canadians like us know exactly the area, the city, and even the county where they would like to live during their stay, put their feet up, so to speak, and focus on the business vision. Melissa and I, we even knew which neighborhood we wanted to live in once we returned to the United States for an extended period of time, because we have road trip through California 10 times since 2013. We've been everywhere in the state. We were looking for an affluent area with a Phenomenal climate, family-oriented, business-oriented, lots of sunny days, average humidity below 50%, one-day Amazon shipping, two-hour Instacart delivery, mountain hiking, 15 minutes to the beach, and a place where most of the population is physically active. Welcome to Orange County. We found all of this in the subculture of South County here in California. The lack of high-rise apartment buildings appeals to us because coming from the Toronto area, we were fed up with the abundance of concrete towers over there. You know, I'm going to go off the script here. It's kind of every time I we see Canadians moving to the U.S., with the exception of the ones moving to like Arizona, like Phoenix and Scottsdale, everyone just flocks to Miami and Florida. And every time you see their their beach photos and there's nothing wrong with this, it just looks like it's Toronto and Vancouver at the beach. But when you come to California, there's none of that. OK, there's there's. 
The way California set up, especially with the way the Coastal Commission controls buildings, um, the buildup of areas and, and, and tall buildings, that is, you know, there's there's some tall buildings here, but not anywhere where it would it would block out like there's no high rises at the beach in California. There's maybe like I would say maybe five to 10 in the LA area between LA and Malibu. And then there's obviously some in San Francisco, but Orange County, nothing like that. Okay, let's move on. Listen, when you first arrive in the United States, even though you have visited before, whatever area you plan on living in and operating your business in, you should still have at least two alternative options in mind. I gave you an idea of our criteria, and regardless of what you see being spoken in the media about California, while some of it is true, most of it is just blown out of proportion. The majority of Canadians who want to start a business, develop it, and direct it while living in the U.S. for the duration of their visa will most likely be transplanting from the East Coast, primarily Ontario. I found that most people from British Columbia or Alberta prefer the Southwest states in the U.S., while the East Coast Canadians, including many Ontarians, are looking to build a U.S. business in the southern states like Tennessee, South Carolina, Florida, and so on. I want to mention that there are, these are generalizations because in our travels, we have met other people from Ontario here in Southwest and California. But for the most part, Canadian primary motivation to start a business in the U.S. nowadays, besides the politically charged business climate, is actually the climate. When you arrive in the U.S., you may want to live and scout different cities and areas, especially if you have never been to them before. One of the things I recommend you do is pay a premium for your lodging and spend three months of your stay in three different cities you think you would prefer to live in. Listen, I have to advise you in general terms because you, the reader, or if you're listening to this audiobook, you guys may have different skills, talents, and business goals. For example, you're most likely looking to move to what you heard is a business and tax-friendly state. And so if you run a construction company, for example, or something related, you might orient yourself towards a growing city rather than if you operate an online business where you can rent an office anywhere and not be limited to a physical region. You get that? Day 7 to day 30 are crucial uh they're crucial days and weeks, those those three, four weeks, because unless you know definitively that you want to live in Nashville, Tennessee, Okay. For example, you're going to have the itch to try living in different cities and getting a feel for the culture and business environment. But even as you do, you will have to consider a few aspects of your personal life that when mishandled may create significant inconveniences in your everyday life and subsequently in your business development. I find that most Canadians have what I call macro concerns and questions and micro ones when deciding to relocate to the United States for an extended period. The macro concerns are specifically related to the actual legal nature of the move and ensuring they maintain lawful status for enough period in which they would be able to establish business ties to the U.S. so they could qualify for the entrepreneurial visa. With that said, when those major concerns are answered satisfactorily, my fellow Canadians seem to start being interested in having their many concerns answered. These are tied to a factor of convenience versus inconvenience and personal lifestyle and not really about the immigration status. It is possible 
to get caught up in ensuring you have the appropriate documents to legally counter and reside in the U.S. for whatever period of time you're granted, that you could forget about the other things you need so your life and business run smoothly. Below, I will introduce you to five aspects of my lifestyle that intertwine with our business, which we had to adjust to and resolve along the way when we go through this process of being in the U.S. versus Canada. Number one, what are you going to do with your Canadian vehicle? I cannot imagine traveling to and residing in the U.S. without our trusty pickup truck. It has transported us safely through Canada and the U.S. at this point 17 times. Cross-country, okay? These were cross-country roads we took, and we cannot imagine abandoning, abandoning it in Canada and not having it here with us. Even if we get a new vehicle, we still want it here with us. Aside from the emotionality and the memories associated with our truck, our everyday life would not be what it is without it. We wouldn't be able to have the active lifestyle we do. We wouldn't be able to run errands or even go to business meetings. Our pickup truck, which we named Lamar after a small Texas town we drove through early on, is an intricate part of our daily personal and business life. We've had an unforgettable experience in May, in April and May of 2021 when we cleared customs ourselves and flew out of Canada, but our... Uh, Pickup truck Lamar only arrived in our hands 25 days later. As a first-time customer of an auto transport company facilitating cross-border shipments, we thought, hmm, this is going to take no more than seven days for it to clear the border and be transported to us. We're only seven hours away from Vancouver, six and a half hours from the border. But unfortunately, when we enter the U.S., we hadn't gone all the way to California, so we wanted to wait for our pickup truck as close to the U.S. border as possible. So Portland was our best option. I thought it would be essential to place this inside this chapter because it could take up to a month for your vehicle to arrive at your location even after you arrive in the United States. Due to immigration laws, the vehicle must be transported into the country after you enter the country. Unfortunately, in our case, there was only one transportation country in Canada at that time facilitating cross-border shipments in all of British Columbia that only had one of their drivers willing to cross the border with the vehicles. This was during the middle of the pandemic. That one driver then became sick and then he was in quarantine for two weeks, which pushed their shipments um, schedule back by that long. We used an excellent transportation broker who dispatched the U.S.-based transportation company within hours. As soon as our pickup truck was on U.S. soil, we received it within two days. The issue was actually on the Canadian side where the logistics of transportation and supply do not meet the demand of Canadians who need their cars moved across the border. But once your car is inside the U.S., you're fine. So when it comes to your vehicle, if you decide to have it transported to you in the U.S., you must give the auto transfer broker at least 10 days notice before you enter the U.S. so that they can prepare your transportation agreement. It would be best if you prepared to be without a vehicle for up to a month and consider you may have to rent a car in the U.S. until yours arrives at your location. Tip. Ensure that your license plate stickers and registration do not expire for at least one year. If they do, you're going to have to call on your friends or your family members to renew your plates on your behalf. Most U.S. police officers may be reasonable if they pull you over with an expired plate sticker, but it would be best to renew your license plate stickers for two years so you don't have to explain yourself later on. Your new U.S. cell phone and phone number. For two years between 2013 and 2015, our Canadian cell phone bill averaged approximately $250 per month. That was almost 10 years ago. In today's money, it might be somewhere around four or 500 bucks with the inflation. 
Some months the cost was reasonable, but during our extended U.S. trips, the roaming charges from the data we were using from simply utilizing Google Maps for navigation were very, very costly. But then in August of 2015, we loaded up our travel trailer and our two bearded dragons and went on a summer road trip from Toronto to Phoenix, Arizona and back. Besides the fact that the Canadian wireless provider was gouging us with hefty roaming fees every month, the cell phone reception was terrible, especially in the middle of the country, in the middle of the United States. We were fed up entirely with our Canadian cell phone service on our 2015 summer road trip when we found ourselves ourselves effectively trapped driving in the middle of a tornado storm in the high plains of Kansas with nowhere to shelter from golf ball sized hail. Okay. Golf ball sized hail. Imagine that if you've ever seen a golf ball, that's how big the hail was. The annoying part is that in those moments of panic, we were trying to use Google maps on our Canadian phone to figure out where we can turn around since we were pulling a trailer that was about 30 feet long. So with our truck and the trailer, we, we, we were pulling about 55 feet. Unfortunately, the cell phone service from our Canadian provider stopped working. If it hadn't been for our radar app, which works off of satellite, we would have missed an essential exit off the interstate. Okay. And we actually avoided the tornado. The first thing we did once we got to Colorado Springs that night, we went to Walmart and figure out that our Canadian unlocked phone could accept the pay as you go AT&T SIM card and phone number. Since 2015, we have been paying 40 bucks a month for our cell phone. Actually went up this year by 10 bucks, still 50 bucks a month US, better than two, three hundred dollars. And the irony is that the US number has unlimited data and coverage in both the US and Canada. Bye bye Rogers wireless. Bye bye. Six weeks later, on the return trip to Toronto, we encountered yet another late summer tornado storm in the same area of Kansas we experienced one prior in, and our U.S. cell phone and data worked flawlessly through that, okay? LTE 2015, it was perfect. We recently purchased the uh, high-quality Motorola phone compared to the latest iPhone models for only about 53 bucks from Walmart. I hope you do this as well if you can't unlock your Canadian 4 for some reason, and this will help you lower your Canadian wireless bills to a negligible account. Excuse me. Amazon or I am gone. Listen, I have, and I, and I checked this when I wrote the book, I have 143 orders made on my Amazon account in the last six months. This means that I order something from Amazon almost daily. Chances are you probably do too. I am a time-saving fanatic and aside from purchasing fresh groceries daily from a supermarket two minutes away from our home, anything I can't find at that grocery store, I order through Amazon. Okay. I remember a time as a business owner in Canada before Amazon Prime became a thing where I would spend more like waste, countless hours each week having to shop for random things we needed around the house. As a business owner, you must let someone else pick your order and deliver it to you so you can focus, okay, so you can focus on more important things while you're in the U.S. This may not be an issue in a major city like Miami or Nashville or L.A. Still, I encourage you to verify the Amazon delivery situation in the town or area where you plan to develop your business. If I were you, I would join a local Facebook group for that city or town you plan on spending your time in to get a feel and ask the local citizens about Amazon or other local questions you might have. By the way, here in the U.S., there's something called Nextdoor, and it's amazing. It's way better than Facebook groups now. It's like, if you remember Neighborhood Watch back in the day, now that's happening online. Okay, there's thousands and thousands of neighbors in our area. 
And if there's something that happens in the area that we need to find out about that we can't find it on a police scanner or it's not in the news, <laughs> there's a bunch of neighbors on next door in our immediate area within a 10, 15 mile radius that knew exactly what was going on. Okay. We've met some wonderful people on next door. Uh, next one, check your internet speed as an entrepreneur with multiple online businesses, internet connection is paramount to our companies and ultimately to my sanity. Same with Melissa's because she has to live with me. It's not because I need to stream Netflix on four different devices at the same time. It's because I need the internet to be so reliable that I forget it exists. I need the internet to be so reliable that I basically take it for granted. This is the one thing that I feel like taking for granted because it's 20, you know, we're, we're now, you know, the internet is like 30 years old, so it needs to always work. As a business owner in a foreign land, your internet connection in the U.S. and the speeds will vary. You might find yourself in a secondary city where even though the internet providers are abundant, the speeds might not be good. Here in California, Cox Cable dominates the other internet providers like AT&T. And in our area, Cox internet speeds are six times faster than AT&T, even on mobile. Even if you don't want to live in an area with an abundance of of 5G networks or 6G or whatever we have at the time you're reading this book, you will want to ensure access to fiber optic based internet. It sounds obvious coming from Canada, but some regions in the U.S. still operate off a very slow DSL phone based internet. Ouch. So influx or exodus at the time i was writing this book there's this massive migration of americans around the u.s and california is experiencing a significant exodus of people to other states compared to the number of people moving in which is not exclusive to california as a sidebar i want to go off the script a little bit here um, what's really happening in california is you'll have three four hundred thousand people per year moving out of california because they're trying to essentially preserve their way of life and because life is too costly. But then you'll have 150 to 200,000 people moving into California who can afford the lifestyle, who are actually earning collectively way more money and producing more value for the state than the people leaving California. This is what a lot of people don't understand about that. So when you're looking at New York or California, oh, look, there's all these people that are leaving. There's actually more money coming into California, even though the state is losing people. Before you decide which state or city you would like to start a business or invest in here in the U.S., you will want to spend five minutes jotting down a list of the cities and towns that are growing in population and learning which cities and states to avoid. Generally speaking, if I was you to go off the script again, I would avoid the southern states in the beginning, like Mississippi I would avoid uh, Alabama. I would avoid some of the middle states. There are some states in the in in the Midwest that are growing, um, but some of the southern states, with the exception of Florida and and Texas, um, I would I would avoid them if you were a Canadian for a while. But if you wanted to go somewhere in the South, but not the deep South, I would definitely look at Tennessee, North Carolina, and South Carolina for sure. Before you leave Canada, best thing to do is research tax, weather, and business-friendly states. You will also want to run a search on Google for fastest-growing cities in the U.S. You will want to have some non-negotiable parameters about the area you plan on developing your business in. The last thing you want to do is move to a state and a city where the available employment pool is shrinking and unemployment is rising. We don't have that problem here in California because there's 40 million people in our business. We operate, we can hire remotely so we can hire from anywhere, from anywhere in the country. 
you might not have that luxury. Look for the cities and towns that have had steady growth for the last three to five years. In the first 30 days of your B1 stay in the U.S., you will know more or less if the area you have chosen suits your lifestyle and your business goals. I highly recommend that as a Canadian, you make lifestyle and climate equally crucial to how you decide and where you build your business. Here's what I mean by that. For example, there are many beautiful places we've come to love in the U.S., like Boise in Idaho, St. George in Utah, Bozeman in Montana, Asheville in North Carolina, likewise, Denver in Colorado, and even Sedona in Arizona are near and dear to us. Still, it doesn't mean we would choose them over Orange County, no matter how good the tax benefits are or how much they grow, because the climate is not for us. Not only that, it's not California. <laughs> they are great for getaway trips, but not to live there. Not for us anyway. You will be spending many months, maybe even years as a business non-immigrant in the U.S. And coming from the frigid weather of Canada, climate matters, especially if you're going to move to a different country to start a business. So you'll want to feel as if the entire move was well worth it. Listen, just to go off the script, because I'm done with the chapter. If you need to move across the border to a northern U.S. state like Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, because you just want to get out of Canada. Of course you want to do that. But I ask that you consider moving to states that have mild weather because it's going to make your shift and your psyche is going to thank you. It's going to make your shift much better.